Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. And with today's episode, we're teaming with PRC. This podcast is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to today's webinar as we dive into um, one of the most frequently requested topics that we get at the Healthcare Experience Foundation, which is conflict. Interpersonal conflict in day-to-day interactions, conflict between um, leaders and team members, peer-to-peer, individual to their reporting supervisor. And so, um, and over the next 30 minutes, we want to review the importance of teamwork. What we've pulled together today is an excerpt for some larger work and workshops that we do around establishing healthy conflict. So we're going to touch on teamwork because that is really the ounce of prevention in, in regards to creating healthy conflict. We want to address the roles of power, empathy, and perspective taking to learn and grow as both professionals individually and as a team. Look at some strategies to own the conversation in a way that builds trust and creates solutions so that we're not on that repetitive hamster wheel uh, revisiting the same issues over and over again. And then last and not least, we're going to go through our five-step process called the conversation curve to help support you with some really practical steps to navigate conflict and assure the most successful outcomes. So how many of you feel really excited when you know that you have to address conflict? Some people will want to run, hide, be concerned, and others will dash towards conflict, kind of almost bringing an arsonist to a gas station um, where you have those that are really energized by conflict, maybe too much so. And so the reality is we are, as human beings, predisposed to want to have healthy relationships. It's it's a biologic part of our DNA. We want it to be a part of that tribe. And so when we have to address conflict, it can create natural uneasiness, especially when we've kind of learned about how to deal with conflict by trial and error. Think about where you've observed conflict. I have a 14-year-old, so I do a lot better at this in every other aspect of my life than doing what some of the things I'm going to share with you today. So let's look at the importance of teamwork. At the end of the day, teamwork is at the heart of how we work together to provide the very best care across the continuum in our care environments and across care environments. So what I mean by that is I can't tell you how many times we'll go in and do employee engagement sessions especially following a survey, and we'll hear, hey, our team is great. We're cohesive. Where it breaks down is how we interact with other departments, as if we could all successfully live in our individual silos. And so one question that we like to ask is, what's the difference? What's the difference when you feel like you have to go to work every day, virtually, in person, and you're walking on eggshells? The people that we spend the majority of our time with every single day is, is at the end of the day, it's not our family, it's our coworkers. And we have to be in that environment where we feel we're kind of fragile and we can't move too quickly or we have to move with uncertainty or fear versus in those environments where everyone was working together. There was a, a greater common purpose. There was trust. It was an environment where we could assume positive intent. Just jot down the differences of those climates and how that impacted you um, as a professional, as a 
person? And what are some, some nuances in how we get more towards that environment where we are working together? We do have some ground rules and some norms and some non-negotiables. Um, one of the, the exercises that we do regularly with leadership teams and departments is establishing those always expectations. What are the ground rules and how do we make sure that we hold ourselves and others accountable for them? Because I think we all know the terrible risks of poor conflict management and teamwork. You don't have to look far to find a myriad of patient safety experts in uniform agreement that communication and teamwork skills are essential for providing high quality care. When all clinical and non-clinical staff can collaborate effectively, healthcare teams can improve patient outcomes. We can prevent medical errors. We have that psychologically safe environment to speak up when something doesn't feel right or when we need to question a process. And it can improve our efficiency and improve patient satisfaction. In fact, patient perceptions of teamwork is the number one driver of patient loyalty, patient experience performance. And that is not measured, as we all know, on the HCAP survey. It's something through our research um, in partnership with PRC, we have learned across the continuum of care, ED, ambulatory, physician clinics, uh, acute care environments, post-acute. When patients believe they are in a team environment and there's teamwork between the doctors, the nurses, and the staff, they are much more likely to feel that they are in a um, treated at the best possible hospital and are likely to recommend your organization. And so the question is, sometimes we can be a team, but not demonstrate that we're a team, not make that teamwork visible. Perfect example, we were just um, actually on site with a healthcare system last week. Patient was in the emergency department. She had shared what brought her here five different times in a number of different ways. And all of a sudden, as the, the hospitalist who is coming to admit her says, hey, tell me what brings you here today. And all of a sudden, she felt like, does anybody know anything about my care? I have told five or six different people and now I'm about to get admitted. And am I going to have to repeat this while I'm afraid of what's happening to me? And so there are many ways that we can make our teamwork visible. We have an excellent care team. I like to ask all of my patients this. In your words, can you just get me up to speed with what you what brought you here, what you're concerned about? I've already read your chart, but I want to hear it from you. So simple ways as we look at prevention that we miss opportunities, which then creates a lot of conflict. And so kind of a, a show of hands, how have you, have you experienced any of these challenges? You're reluctant to bring up a, a topic with a colleague, a peer, a senior leader that you report to. You avoid difficult conversations with an employee. We kind of hope and we kind of dance around the edges or um, and, and hope isn't a strategy as, as we've all learned in our own different ways of managing performance you're not sure how to respond. You've just observed something and you're kind of questioning, did I really see this right? Did they really know the expectation? This feels subjective. You find yourself kind of dancing around, making small talk to avoid. Or you're in repeated cycles 
Because day after day, month after month, sometimes even year after year, the same issue continues. So all of these things, whether you've experienced one, all you could add to this list and make it a second slide. When we can't address these things, the possibilities for what we can establish in that relationship becomes smaller and smaller and more, more contentious because we keep feeling and experiencing this and it, it impacts our ability for self-awareness and self-management when we encounter that person. Or we turn to whomever will listen and we're you know, at our family dinner table talking about the same issue. And, and the real challenge and heartbreak of this is What tends to creep around the borders for us as leaders is the individuals where we have a hard time resolving conflict with. And sometimes those are poor performers, and sometimes it's just professional disconnects or perspective disconnects, which is why we're going to spend some time on that. But what that robs our brain space of is how are we investing our time and our energy in those high performers and coaching up? those individuals who have a lot of really great characteristics. They need a few few competency development areas or some support to get more consistent. But these issues weigh on us in, in some really big ways. And chances are, if you're on this webinar today, you have experienced this. And so here's some common misperceptions as we start to individually evaluate our role in conflict, because we are the the number one person that we can change. It's normal. I'm the one that's normal. It's everybody else who has the problem because we have a very specific view of the world. And the the gift of, of those that we interact with is they have a different view. The assumption that most people believe and see the world the way that I do. My way, steamroll is the best way to do it. And I'm not talking about, you know, when we don't have to act really urgency, cold-like situation. You know, I think you know where I'm coming from with this is that it's it's that we, we lose our ability to question and use our appreciative inquiry to understand and learn and grow. The way people interact is how they need to be treated by others. And if you've ever had a performance conversation where somebody gets angry Um, or extraordinarily aggressive, we don't have to match that behavior. We can own our response. And that there's an ideal communication style. One of my most favorite activities to do with leaders is around communication agility, because we need to apply the right communication style for the best times. And Christine Parath, who wrote an exquisite book around civility, um, I had a chance to meet her a few years ago, 95% of us believe we are self-aware. The reality is, and this is contextually uh, based, only about 15% of us really are. And again, it's contextual. We might be really self-aware at home, not at work or in certain relationships in our lives, but that's an 80% gap. At the end of the day, whether it's me or anybody else, we all want to believe we are on the far end of the bell curve, the above average part of the bell curve. And so when we think about conflict, what I'm what I'm trying to do here is not have us question ourselves, but have us start to reframe that conflict gives us one of the best opportunities for us to learn. And we love this quote. We use it a lot. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. We have our own unique filtration system. And reality can be so complex 
the equally valid observations can be contradictory. You can see in this kind of funny cartoon, and there's a few different like it, depending on the angle, we all can have our own truth that we're bringing to the conversation or to the perspective that we share. And we want to look at now, what are some strategies to really own the conversation in a way that builds trust and creates those solutions? All right, so let's talk about conflict. If it only were this simple, and I had a chance to observe all of your feedback um, before the session today, each and every one of you is dealing with different forms of conflict in your work with your team. And so we wanna look at first, what are the risks of avoiding conflict? Before I even go to this next slide, just jot down on a sheet of paper in your mental filing cabinet, what are the risks of avoiding it? Some of the things that we've seen in our work day to day is that it leads to poor decision-making. If you've ever been in that conference room where everybody agrees on, on a plan and then all of a sudden it doesn't work out really well and you're doing kind of the, the decision-making post-mortem and somebody, a couple people say, I knew that wasn't going to work, but I didn't want to risk saying something. That's a problem, especially in our work. Avoiding conflict means we're not building trust. We're digging our trenches in. It can lead to the absence of commitment in teamwork. And again, there's different forms of this. There's conflict that builds up over time. There's conflict where we just sort of acquiesce and hope things will change. And buried conflict really creates what we call that meeting after the meeting hey, I really didn't agree with this. What do you think? And really all that does at the end of the day is it undermines our ability to be effective. If our, if our goal is winning together, and so that's where we really always have to check our motivations. And we love this from Dr. Andrew Johnston. Conflict is either going to be the culprit behind lousy performance, luckluster relationships, or low satisfaction and it also can be the other side of a prerequisite to some of the greatest relationships and performance results in personal fulfillment. The difference is how you handle it. It's kind of that concept of the same water um, that softens, hardens the egg, softens the potato. And if you think about whether you played sports or other instances where you may have had a coach, typically at some point that coach had to give you feedback that might have been difficult for you to hear or you didn't understand. And chances are the coaches that you um, trusted the most, you believed that they had your best interests at heart. And that made accepting that feedback much more palatable. And so when it comes to healthy conflict and, and what I'm about to share with you with our model for the conversation curve, this requires, I, I mentioned this, that desire for the win-win. And we'll, you know, it'd almost be a separate session when we're dealing with the, somebody who's coming into this with the idea of, of the win-lose. And I'll try to touch on that also. But there's this implicit contract in productive communication that really includes a willing sender. I'm willing to take the risk to share that feedback, to share the observations. A willing receiver. And at the heart of that, is an understanding that we're gonna be vulnerable and we're going to establish trust and we're going to maintain 
that positive intent, a, a belief in a positive intent. And so one conversation is definitely not as simple as it looks. So in the middle, you've got the message. This is what we are trying to get across. There are a number of different places, four primary ones. When we teach this, we go into more depth with different scenarios. There's four places where this can be blocked. How the message gets encoded and decoded bidirectionally. And if you've ever said something to an employee and thought, gosh, I bet they've got this, or a peer, hey, I really feel like I need your staff to be more responsive when my, my department puts in a, a, a help, te- help ticket. Let me just simplify that. And our definition of responsive is different than their definition of responsive. That's just a really, really simple example of that. And so we have built the conversation curve as a way to break through the barriers. It involves putting the challenge in the middle. And one of the things that I want to be really clear about is going into conflict. If we cannot know what that challenge is and be able to very accurately describe it, it's going to be really hard for that message to get decoded in the way that we've meant. And so preparation is really important. So we need to name the challenge as we're preparing. We need to acknowledge the past. And a huge part of this is the recognition that we each bring our truths to the table, that these are perceptions and experiences. Sensing the present, and I'm going to go into each one of these, and this is how we're describing the current issue. At the end of the day, this is, um, I think Adam Grant may have said this better than I'm about to say it. Conflict is like where we're going into a dance and we really don't know what the other party's moves have and the other party's uh, has in mind in terms of the moves that they're going to make. It's a negotiation. And then we're realizing the future and we're building towards a solution. And so what we need to do, is, and we're going to walk through each step of this, is be able to name the challenge, be able to acknowledge this is what I'm bringing in terms of my perceptions. This is what I anticipate they might be bringing. I can describe the challenge using senses, feelings, thoughts. We can co-create a plan to realize the future and that we have clarity together on the solution. So if we don't end up repeating the same issue. And so you're framing the conversation, not by happenstance, but intentionally to get to meaningful results. We've got to understand their experiences openly. This is not a just about my way, my issue. It's in order to influence change, we've got to make this bi-directional. And so that comes from being prepared. It's nine out of 10, 90% out of 100% of this. To begin, you've got to be clear on the challenge. You've got to be prepared to discuss it and have a vision for what that successful outcome looks like. And we could do a whole other session on you know, the art of giving on the spot feedback, but this is about the, the really important conflicts that we're coming into because you've got to have a vision for what you want success to look like. So we want to be prepared. We want to remain rational, keep our emotions in check, and use strategies to regulate our emotions. So we've got to be clear, able to name it, know the resolution. And the simple question to answer is, what's the problem we're trying to solve here? Is it timeliness? Is it something around standards of behavior? 
why do you feel that this issue is important or significant? So now we've named the challenge. Now we're going to acknowledge the past. This is the the foundation of every productive conversation is acknowledging that you come to any conversation with your reality, they're coming with their own reality. And these are all going to be based on unique perceptions and challenges and experiences. Simple, simple example, hospitalist, emergency department physician, making a smooth handoff, determining who's writing orders. If I'm the ED doc physician, what are the things that I'm thinking of that I'm bringing to this table? I want to make sure that I get a smooth transition for this patient into you know, their admission. I need to make sure that I move on to my next case in the emergency department. What's the hospital is thinking? How do I, you know, there's just a different lens that we're all bringing to being able to acknowledge the past. And a simple activity that we recommend leaders do is a a T-chart. What are the issues and, and challenges? What are the things that I've tried before? This is the first time conversation. What are my expectations? And what's their lens? And so at the heart of what I'm suggesting here with this T-chart is empathy. We're putting ourselves in the other person's shoes even before the the conversation even begins. And so sensing the present, this is how we're describing some guidelines for success. We want to speak to the challenge, but we want to listen to the person. I feel that we've had to have this conversation a few different times. I've asked that you make certain that um, you show up to work on time. And this is now the third time in a month that we're having to have this conversation. I believe, and I think that this is really negatively impacting our team because, and so I'm, I'm just sort of trying to narrate a few different examples in the short amount of time that we have together today, because part of realizing the future is grasping the solution. It takes action. So what are the habitual actions that we want to become part of our our daily habits that become involuntary and second nature? What are the prescribed actions? This is what I expect. Help me understand why you're having trouble getting to work on time. The reality is we don't know their side of the story unless we ask. And so I'm moving through this really quickly. This is something that we spend quite a bit of time on in leadership development sessions with, with activities and cases and personal examples. I want to make sure I spend some time on the solution because this is really the elusive step. It requires agreement and commitment on both parties. It's not just said, I expect you to show up to work on time. You need to be wary of false commitment. And if you've, I don't have my phone nearby, but if you ever have seen somebody kind of like double, double dipping with their time, chances are they're not really wholeheartedly committing or, you know, and, and I know with masks, we're covering our micro expressions, but nonverbals give a lot away. And remember, this is not about being right. It's about resolution. It's about getting to the solution. We need to be able to understand and name your emotion about the solution. Are you excited? Are you apprehensive? Are you skeptical? Are you concerned? What might be be the implication if we have to go through this for round two? How can you assess progress and what will we do when we get off track? And so realizing the future together 
is what helps us build this co- more build healthier cohesion and teamwork. And again, I know I'm moving through this really quickly, and I want to make sure that we spend some time on regulating responses. It's really hard to be in the moment with conflict. I am somebody personally, I like time to reflect. I like to hit my own pause button. I like to think things through. I like to take problems on runs with me. When we're in the moment and we feel like our cues for self-awareness and management are, you know, you can tell our blood pressure is ticking up. These are some simple tips to help you regulate responses. Ask questions. This gives you some space and some breathing room, and it gives you the chance to really get double down on our hearing and listening. Help me understand. Tell me more. I know you said always. Can you give me some examples? Never making accusations. Accusations implies judgment. It creates blame. And again, we could do a whole other session on avoiding uh, blame. Buy time for yourself. Silence is okay. We can even say, let me just take a moment to process this. Taking a moment to write things down or paraphrase. Here's what I heard you say. Is this correct? Let me confirm my understanding. Self-awareness and ownership of your tone of voice and body language. And it's okay to say, hey, I really want what you're saying is really important. I care about doing the best thing for our team. I'd like to take the night and think about it. Can we regroup tomorrow? The important thing is that we regroup tomorrow. We've got to be aware of our tone of voice and body language. And especially with PPE, sometimes we have to say, I know you can't see my face. I'm not angry. I'm just thinking about this. And mirroring. When we subtly mirror an individual, but not never to match aggression, is a really powerful way to just demonstrate I see you, I hear you, what you're saying is important. That's that gentle mimicking of body language. And then as Kathleen Lynham on our team says, if they get furious, get curious. And again, I said, ask questions to understand, hey, it's important to me. I hear your passion. I hear your anger. What about this is important to you? What's the number one thing I need to take away from this? How can we solve this together? Just some really simple questions can help de-escalate tensions that can can occur. And then this kind of goes back to this ounce of prevention. Um, What are some ways to avoid our blind spots? Three questions out of Daniel Coyle's The Culture Code are just so powerful. The first one is, what's one thing I, I currently do that you would like for me to continue to do? This can be incorporated into your staff meetings, your one on ones, even performance evals. What's one thing I don't currently do frequently enough that you would like for me to do more often? And what can I do to help you be more effective? Those questions go a long way in growing our own self-awareness and saying, I'm willing to be vulnerable. I'm here for growth also. And I care about what you have to say. Thanks, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation with today's episode teaming with PRC. To learn more, visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.